Alana J-Lo. Rick Hammond. I feel very fresh right now. So do I. You got out of the shower. I just put on some more aloe vera after yes. rinsing my face a little bit. Yes. Still wet. Mm-hmm. Feeling good, babes. As am I. Yes, and you also slept a lot last oh night. Oh my goodness, I really needed it because I was, you know, I was sick on Thursday night and I took a nap Friday morning and I guess I really needed it because I think I slept for like 10 hours. <laughs> I was, I was so tired, but I feel so rested. I'm and, so glad to hear that, babe. And so good that, uh, yeah, I'm just in a good mood this morning. Even though we got some sad news. Yeah, well, I, so, so, uh, so you know more about this actor than I do because... Chadwick Boseman, who passed away today yes. at age 43 due to complications of colon cancer, according to what I read on NPR. Apparently he's been suffering from this for four years. Very, very sad. I'm, oh, I really sad. liked Black Panther. That's yeah. what I know him for best. Right. That's really sad. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of things about Black Panther, um... I heard some people liked it, some people didn't, but I think I, I most of most of what I heard was um, that a lot of people thought it was really, really good. So I had friends who told me to see it, and in 2018, it was Thanksgiving weekend. I believe it was the day of that holiday. Mm-hmm. You were back visiting family. Mm-hmm. I think it had just come out on Netflix, mm-hmm. so I decided to watch the film, and I really, really enjoyed it. Because it didn't just come out that year? Yes. In, like, February, I believe. Okay, yeah. But I don't know the man. Well wishes to his family. And I'm sorry that he passed away, but I'm thankful for him that hopefully he's no longer in pain. We can only hope that, yeah. Thoughts and prayers to Chadwick Boseman's family, because that that is really, really sad, especially now. And, you know, he's so young. It's so sad to hear about cancer patients dying at a young age. I mean, I know because I've had it and it's not fun. It was a journey, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't easy, of course, but, uh, it's sad to hear that. It really is. I feel a lot of compassion for the family that have, uh, families that have lost, uh, their, uh, their loved one that has been struggling with cancer for a long time and they're still young. What struck me with him too, is he, again, according to what I read, he was diagnosed with colon cancer at the age of 39. Right. And in men, they don't really start testing for that form of cancer until around age 50. Mm. So it, it was very shocking. Well, I think that now that there, there are men and women dying at young ages, not, not all the time, I think maybe they have to think of uh, preventative measures and maybe... Um, you know, maybe give like uh, CT scans because CT scans you can see the entire inside of a person's body, and in fact, um, that may have saved my life because when I was going through my own cancer, um, uh, one of my oncologists found a tumor, and thankfully it was benign. But I wanted to make sure that it was not going to grow anymore so I had a surgeon take it out and I'm thankful that they caught it because if I didn't if I didn't catch it it would have it may have been too late so I'm thankful and I was only 28 at the time I'm very glad you survived yes as am I um but you know uh that that 
just means that um, I think people really need to think about uh, their lifestyle, and and we don't even know we don't even know what kind of a lifestyle that this man had prior to his death. So we can only assume that you know it was just his cancer, but it could have yeah. also been genetic, right? You know, it could have been genetic, and um, I know I I know that there are ways now that you can prevent yourself from getting stuff that your parents have. Um, because we have better, um, better medicines, better ways of, 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 uh, dealing with that. But, um, uh, very sad yes. thoughts and prayers to the Bozeman family. Yes. Bozeman's we're, we're hope you do well and all that good stuff. Right. Anyways. Anyway. Alana. On a cheerier note. Yes. On a cheerier note. Last night or yesterday afternoon, rather. We watched a couple of episodes of Deep Space Nine. Yes, we did. What did you think of that story arc? I know we're kind of at the beginning of it in a sense. Yeah. Well, some of it was a little bit confusing to me because there was two kinds of Bashirs, right? So maybe we should back up. And I think you would do be a better. Uh, I think you would do better at backing this up than I would. So I'll let you take it. When the first of the two parters start. No, I think the episodes might have different names, but I could be wrong with that. Okay. The station receives some weird message from the Gamma Quadrants. Mm-hmm. But they know it's Cardassian. Mm-hmm. They call up Garrick to interpret it. He tells the crew that this is basically a planetary survey. It's of no real consequence. Don't be worried about it. Mm-hmm. We find out because he tries to steal a runabout, which is their version of a shuttlecraft, mm-hmm. that it's actually a message from Avram Tame, who was the leader in the Obsidian Order. Right. Dr. Bashir, we think, is in the shuttlecraft. Mm-hmm. He takes Garrick to see Captain Sisko. The story is told, Sisko assigns a wharf to take... Garrick to the Gamma Quadrant on an exploratory mission Mm -hmm. to see if there's anything to the story. Mm -hmm. They go. Worf is getting a little bit annoyed with Garrick because of some of the lies. Mm -hmm. For example, saying that he wants Worf to sponsor him to enter Starfleet. Right. Worf wants to turn back. Garrick convinces him to go further. They are caught by the Jem'Hadar and taken prisoner. Yep. We see that the Jem'Hadar are fighting people, specifically Captain Martok. Yep. They're taken to this area where we discover Avram Tame, who is having heart problems. He's pretty much on his deathbed. Yes. We also notice that Dr. Bashir is there. And we find out that a changeling replaced Bashir on the station around a month ago. Mm-hmm. Which means that for... At least one or two episodes, we've been watching a changeling and not the real Bashir. Yeah. Which is kind of disturbing when you start to think about it's it. It's very disturbing, yeah. We find out that the reason that they've been able to communicate with the outside world is, be- is because Avram Tame has gone into the walls and rerouted some of the powers, power in the wall, mm-hmm. to use for communication. Mm-hmm. Garrick, being the spy that he is, is sent in to do, finish doing the dirty work. Mm-hmm. But he has a, a little bit of a breakdown 
Yes, he does. Yes. And I, I know I'm kind of like going fast through this. That's okay. That's fine. You, you're better at it than I am. Thanks, babe. <laughs> Meanwhile, Worf is forced to fight mm-hmm. the Hadar. And the reason I believe they want to fight him is because they want to learn what Klingons are like in hand-to-hand combat. Right. He keeps getting, we- keeps getting weaker and keeps getting weaker. Mm-hmm. Back at the station, they start to think that something's up. Because they got a message from the runabout right before it was boarded, but it was kind of scrambled. Mm-hmm. So Kira goes out to the Gamma Quadrant and sees that there's a bunch of Jem'Hadar ships heading towards them. Mm-hmm. She returns to the station. Galdakot is at the S9, getting his ship repaired. He's called into a meeting with Cisco. Mm-hmm. They talk about this is a threat to the Federation and a threat to Cardassia. We got to prepare for war. They try to close the wormhole. They're unsuccessful because the changeling who is posing as Bashir complicates their weaponry. Mm-hmm. So the wormhole is now open. Yep. Garrick is finally able to communicate with the runabout. And the prisoners are transported on board. They escape. They get back to DS9. The fleet is with them. They realize back at the station, because of communicating with the runabout, that there is a fake Bashir who is on another shuttlecraft. Yep. When the Jem'Hadar ships come through the wormhole, they go straight to Cardassia. Mm-hmm. And Galdakot follows them. Yep. I think I skipped ahead, actually. They don't realize at this point that it's a fake Bashir. Because the shuttlecraft comes out later, so that's my bad. Okay. Okay, so they go back (laughs) to the station. They see these fake warp signatures coming back towards DS9. Mm -hmm. And they think it's the Cardassian fleet. Mm -hmm. By this time, the Klingons have come there. The Romulans are there to help out. So they've got a fleet of their own. Mm -hmm. Then the shuttlecraft finally returns. They see that it's the real Bashir with Garrick. And Worf. Yep. So, around this time, they realize that the fake Bashir is in a runabout headed towards the sun. Mm-hmm. Kira is ordered to follow it. Mm-hmm. They realize that it has some explosives that if it hits the sun, it's going to cause a supernova and kill everybody. Yep. They stop him, kill him. It seems all good. Near the end of the episode, Cisco goes into his office and receives a message from Gul Dukat, where Dukat lets him know that they want the station back. Right. I believe that's where the episode ends. Um, shall I mention the side plot with uh, Ziel and Dukat? Go ahead. So this is what I thought was really interesting. Um, Ziel has feelings for Garrick. Um, Dukat is trying to keep... Garrick away from Ziel because he felt that um, Garrick betrayed Cardassia because he, he's a Cardassian spy, correct? Yes. Um, and Ziel is like, no, no, father. He's a really kind man. He's very smart. And what was really what really struck me is that he was trying to be a father to her, except for the fact that he tried to kill her when he knew about Ziel. That um, after his um, uh, affair with Naprim, who was a a Bajoran, um, 
uh, he found out about ZL. Um, Major Kira takes her back to DS9 for her own safety. And I just think it was really interesting because, you know, after ZL um, defied Ducat's orders to go on the shuttlecraft to Cardassia, she says no. And then towards the end of the episode, he says that he has no daughter because he she dishonored him, which is, I thought was really interesting because at one time he wanted to kill her. So, yeah. I want, I want to talk for a moment about the few similarities between Garrick and Galdicott. Okay. What I'm thinking about specifically is they both are very manipulative. Right? Uh-huh. When ZL is first found alive, Ducat is convinced not to kill her. Mm-hmm. I think he regrets that decision because it compromises his power on Cardassia. Right. He gets it back in this episode, but he really has to do some work, right? Yeah. Before then, like a year ago, when she goes back to the station with Major Kira, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that Ducat is thankful for is now he has a connection to Kira. Right. And we know that he has some weird obsession with her. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> and at this point in the series, we don't quite understand what that is. Yeah. By the point where he disowns Izel or... Ziel. Ziel, I'm sorry. Ziel <laughs> discounts her. It, I, is, it discounts Kira? Yeah, I think it's a way of discounting Kira in a way. Ah. Now, maybe not for good. Maybe he's just upset with Kira, and Ziel is the target that he can use to show that. So it's not really her fault. She's kind of the the victim in all of it. That's how I view it. Wow. So she's being used. Right. As a pawn. And Garrick also uses people. Right. But but the interesting thing with Garrick is that he's so... He's manipulative, but he's in a charming way. Yes. You know what? You know, you can't help but like him, even though you don't really know if you... If he's good or not. He's... You know what I mean? He's similar to Quark in that fashion. He's he's charming but manipulative. It's like you you don't like him, but you like him. It's kind of in the middle. You know what I mean? You like him, but you're always kind of waiting for the knife to come out. Just like Quark, yep. Yes. Except Quark just wants to get money from you. But he has fun doing it. Right. Garrett could actually get you killed. Right, exactly. But it's it's so hard to tell right now because he's just such a charming spy. Yes. <laughs> he's just he just as a simple tailor and he's like, well, I have dresses to make and trousers to mend and you know, and he lives as a simple tailor. But there's there, he's such a complex he's such a complex Cardassian. You know that there's a lot more below the surface. Right. I will tell you this: the ZL plotline is wrapped up. In season six. Yes. Yes. I remember you said that uh, yesterday. But that's what I'm going to say. For all you know, that means that she could get married or, you know, be adopted by the (laughs) O'Briens. Right. Be the O'Brien's nanny. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, Kira Kira is is kind of like their aunt now. So, you know, she's, she's more closer to them. It would make sense. In ZL, that would make sense, yeah. But she's kind of close to Jake's age, so maybe her and Jake fall in love. Or it's possible that she goes off to the academy. Very true. 
I know I know the answer, but I'm not going to say. She could she could be dating Nog. That's right. Which is very very would be a very very weird um, coupling. But consider that we know that his <laughs> uncle is in the Cardassians. What? When, I'm sorry. We know that Quark is into Kardashian women, so it wouldn't be that. Yes, that's true. That is true. It wouldn't be much of a stretch. I mean, if Quark remarries a Grilka or something, you know, they would have a better connection to the Kardashians. Yes. That was a very weird episode about Grilka. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was funny, but it was very weird. I like that one a lot. But yes. Grilka is a Klingon, though. I'm, I'm sorry. Klingon, yeah. Wait, wait. Did you say Worf? I'm not Worf. Quark is into Cardassian women. Remember, he dated uh, what's her name in the episode Profit and Loss. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot about Natima. Okay, I scratched that. I got those two mixed up. That's okay. Natima versus Grilka. Yeah, he was married to Grilka. I think Grilka is more of a fling. Yeah, it's fun, and it's like that girl who you are that partner who you connect with once in a while you know you maybe have a, a nice weekend now and then but there no, there's nothing serious there's no there's there's nothing to the story it's just not gonna have a future right Is that right yeah but with natima it's more there's something deeper there oh yeah that was a great episode because you really see his emotion you know he was willing to give up everything as i've said in another episode mm-hmm. and and it just it it really it it was very touching to see because you only saw Quark as this greedy money launderer that wants to have fun swindling you out of money. <laughs> <laughs> and who's a who's an oppressor of, of uh who's an oppressor of Ferengi women. Yes. You know, and but then you see the emotion and the the love that he had for Natima that he was willing to give up everything for her. I saw an interview with the actor Armin Shimmerman. Not Zimmerman, Shimmerman. Yes. Shimmerman. As I found out yesterday, yes. Shimmerman. Yes. It was this panel, and it was him and the writer of the episode, mm-hmm. or somebody who was on staff when they made that episode with Ntima. Yeah. And the writer said that it was their take on Casablanca. Oh, really? Quark oh, was right. supposed to be Rick because. She comes to him, right? Yes. And yes. Rick owns a bar. Yes, that's like right. Quark. Yes. And yes. there's some issues with spying. Yes. I thought that that was such an interesting analysis. Yeah. The writer said that they also expected Armin to play it up like a comedy. Uh-huh. And that they saw some clips of the show before it was released. Uh-huh. And they saw that he was doing it as a drama. Oh, and they liked his take a lot better. Really? They liked that it wasn't a comedy. Which to me, oh. I think, is why that episode holds up so well. That is so interesting. Yeah. So he did, So basically, he they let him decide how this episode was going to end up being. The writers weren't on set, yeah. but they saw what's called the dailies, which is where you take scenes that were shot that day and you watch them back to oh. see how the story is progressing. Interesting. I didn't. Yeah. I had no idea. I think he. I think Armin made the right choice and. Oh yes, doing it as a drama. Yeah, because this is this is where you see Quark in a totally different light. That he actually has feelings and emotions, and that he can love. And uh, I thought it was I thought it was really touching. We're gonna watch a really good Quark episode later on. Is this with Cousin Gala? Yes, the one with the moon. The one with the small moon. Yes, we should we should emphasize it's a small it's a small moon. <laughs> it's a very small moon, guys. <laughs> Don't get any ideas. It's a moon. But it's a small one. It's a small moon. 
<laughs> yeah, that's 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 very interesting. <laughs> Alana. Yes. We also watched two films. Two uh, films that were that had the same um, concept of marriage in some ways. We started with married to the mob. In the early 1990s. Is 80s. No, I'm talking about my own life. Okay, I'm sorry. That's all right. You didn't know. I didn't know. When we had VHS cassettes, I opened up a present from one of my aunts on Christmas morning, which is also my birthday, and I got a copy of this film. Mm -hmm. My mom said, you need to watch this. You're going to love this. I was around 9 or 10. She says, because she knew that I was into stuff like the film Bugsy and other things. Right. She, she told me, I think you're really going to enjoy this film. I had it for maybe a year and a half. I didn't watch it. One day my sister says, I think you should watch this. You'd really like it. And finally I broke down. This is probably May of 1994. Wow, you waited that long? I did. Jeez. Four years? No, about a year and a half. Because oh, oh. it was the early 90s when I got this tape. So that means oh. it's like 91 or 92. Maybe two years. But All right, all right. In any event, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it a number of times since then. Right. I understand that it's not the best movie in the world, but there's a number of things that I feel really work in this movie. Mm. What's your take on it? Do you want to give some of the story? Okay. Um, so the the main woman in the movie is played by um, Michelle Pfeiffer, who plays Angela DeMarco, who is married to Alec Baldwin, uh, Frankie DeMarco. She wants to get out of this mob lifestyle because she doesn't feel like it's good for her son. It's good for them. You know, she always feels like she has to go to uh, see the mob wives because they're all, they're all housewives, correct? That's the, the feeling I got. From. Right. And, and, you know, if the and, um, Mercedes Rule, who plays the wife of the head of the mob, um, is like the one that's really calling the shots uh, when it comes to the, the mob wives. And she's just like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. He, she's telling her husband that. I don't want to do this anymore. And, and by the way, uh, you know, I, I, I want to get out of this lifestyle. And it's not good for Joey. And, um, and I want a divorce. And he is just laughing and laughing and laughing until, until he gets iced. Because, um, and we don't, I mean, she doesn't find this out until much later. Should I give the plot with that? Go ahead. So Tony, who is Tony the Tiger uh, Russo, Tony the Phony Baloney the Tiger Russo. Tony the Phony Baloney the Tiger. The the funny lounge singer. Yes. Do you see him again in the movie? No. Okay. He was just a he was just a, a cameo appearance. Anyway, so he's seeing this girl uh, Karen. Karen is one of his mistresses. And. Uh, you know, they finish up their thing, and they they finish up their thing, and uh, she says, you know what, um, I'm going to go take a bath before I go, because he's, like, asking her where she's staying, right? Yeah. He's like, you know what, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a, a bath before I go. And he's pretty much dressed and ready to leave the room at this point. Right. So she gets in the bathtub, in comes Frankie DeMarco, and... Little, un, little does Frank know that um, Tony is in the room still. So she's in the bathtub waiting for Frank, and she's like, Frank, Frank, you're late. 
And so Tony comes behind her and, or behind him uh, with a gun and uh, shoots him right there because he finds out that um, she's been cheating on Tony with Frankie. And I guess that is uh, going on with the mob husbands that they're, they're seeing other women on the side. And, uh, okay, you take it. We go to Frank's funeral. Tony is kind of checking out Angela. Frank's mom tries to jump into the... The casket. Casket. Because she's freaking out. (laughs) Yes, or into the grave, rather. Yeah. Which is great. There is a fight between Tony Jr., and Angela's kid... Joey. Joey. Tony's <laughs> kind of watching this until Angela comes out. Right. And he goes over and he breaks up the fight. He kind of slaps his son a little bit. Yeah. And helps, helps Joey up and cleans him off a little bit. Joey, Joey runs away. And then Tony tries to make out with Angela. Right. And, it, and, and meanwhile, his wife, is, his wife sees it. Yes, outside of the window. Yep. Which is great. Yeah. What they don't know at this point is they are being watched by the FBI. Hmm. Yes, and and inter- and 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 soon we'll be introduced to uh, one of the FBI agents, Mike. But we're getting to that. We're getting there. Yes. Angela decides to move out of the house shortly afterwards. She gives all of her stuff to Free Will. Goodwill. I'm sorry, Goodwill. Her and Tony. Uh, her and Joey <laughs> move into a very, very small apartment. Very shady neighborhood. Yes, with a tub in the middle of the kitchen. Oh, that's so bad. Yes. I believe that was common over 100 years ago. So this was a really old place. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. Anyways, she takes Joey to school. Be good. <laughs> each other. They kind of like touch each other's fingers. I thought that was really funny because I'm like, what are they doing? Yeah. I thought they were talking like sheep. It's like one of those things that parents <laughs> do with their kids. Yeah, like, a, like an inside joke between mm-hmm. them. Be <laughs> good. <laughs> Angela applies for this job at a chicken restaurant. Oh, you got you to gotta tell them this is just so mm-hmm. funny. She dresses up in the costume that they want her to wear, which, and I'm a blind guy, but it kind of looked like a pirate's thing to me. (laughs) When she's done dressing, she sees a human eye looking at her from outside. Her boss had cut a hole through the door where he can look at women dressing and undressing. Yep. She gets freaked out. Runs outside the restaurant. She she he, and and steals um, basically wears a uniform outside. Yes, and, and and throws a drink in his face. Yes, which we find out is Mike's drink, because Mike is dressed up, uh, you know, because he's spying on her. <laughs> yeah. She gets a job, doing hair. Yep, she does. At a salon. At a salon. Yes. Yep. She goes home. Tony, the phony, baloney, the the tiger, tiger. is at her place. They brought her olive oil and cheese and, you know. And, yeah, they they bought her veggies and some other things, trying to give her presents. Because they, you know, Tony's kind of in there. Uh Uh-huh. And, and, oh, yeah, and he gives her flowers, too. Yep. He sends her flowers. She gets him out of there. She runs into Mike on the elevator. She gets Joey. Eventually... Angela goes over to Mike's apartment 
to ask him if he wants to go out on a date. Uh-huh. And meanwhile, she doesn't know this, but um, they have uh, wired uh, bugs in her apartment. Oh, yeah. And the the officer, his partner, looks up at jo- uh, looks at Mike and says, Bingo. And I thought that, I thought, I literally thought that he was going to be, You idiot, why are you going on a date with this woman? You know. But that was a way for him to get more information. In real life, they've had situations like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a little bit risky, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's a little, I mean, you're playing with people's emotions. You are, but you want to get the inside information. So you'll have spies go really, really deep. Right. They'll, 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 they'll make it seem like they're, like they're in a relationship with the, with the um, person that they're investigating. Anyway, yeah, so yeah. he accepts. They go out and see a band. Mm-hmm. They get really drunk. Yes, they have a fun time. While this is happening, Tony decides that he wants to go to Burger World. Oh, yeah. That was a very interesting scene. He yes. goes there after singing the theme song to Burger World. And on the way there, one of his vehicles, the the car behind him with some of his guys is shot up. He doesn't catch it. They go to the drive through window, and then they shoot his driver, and Tony kills a couple guys and orders a meeting of the different mob leaders. And after, after he's ordered a bunch of food. Yes. Yeah. The, the meeting is supposed to take place in Miami a couple days later. Mm-hmm. We're back at Angela's apartment. Mm-hmm. Mike and her are having a good time. The other agent is listening in. Mm-hmm. They sit down on the couch. Mike has to use the bathroom. Yep. Goes to use it. And who comes in? Connie. Connie Russo. Tony Crazy Ford. Connie Russo. Yes. She freaks out and is saying, I know he's here. Tony's here. She hears a, fl- she hears a toilet flush. Who comes out of the bathroom? Mike. Mike Dogface FBI agent. <laughs> Mike Dogface Smith. Well, at least that's what he's using. Yeah. <laughs> Connie leaves. Angela gives him the rundown about who she is, even though he already knows that, but she doesn't right. know that he knows. Right. Mm-hmm. He goes into her bedroom because she runs into it. He sits down on the bed and says, you know, everybody deserves a second chance. Screen darkens. It implies that he stayed over. He did stay over. He we don't know what over. happened. We don't know what happened, but, but he did stay over. We could, you know, yeah. believe something did. Right. He goes out with his FBI buddy. I know I'm probably missing something, but back at the salon, she's there and the FBI comes in, right? Right. and um, With immigration. Right. And um, they deport, they, they try to uh, deport Rita. Who is her boss? They threaten to deport they, her. They threaten to de- deport Rita, and they also um, take Angela uh, downtown with them. Yep. Because because of the investigation, and while they're while they are downtown, Angela is being read her rights by um, one of the FBI agents, but he's got it completely wrong, and Mike is trying to tell him that you got it all wrong, right? This is this is wrong. She's innocent. And um, they're they're about ready to arrest her and t- and you know um, make her out to be this unfit mom, and but you know so that that was that, 
and uh, continue. They say, listen, we could send Rita away back to Jamaica, and you're going to go to prison for a very long time, and Joey's going to end up in a foster home. Mm -hmm. Or you can help us catch Tony the tiger. Yep. She goes to see the tiger and basically says, listen, bro, I'm (laughs) kind of into you, and I didn't know how to react at first. You know, let let's get together. Okay? Let's go to the let's go to a hotel. Yeah, he's already going out to Florida because somebody tried to kill him. So, why doesn't he take Angela? Right, and so he, um, uh, so they, I forgot who it was. It Tony or was it Angela who sets up the honeymoon suite? I believe it was Tony. So Tony sets up the honeymoon suite, and. Uh, should I go fast forward to the airport? Go do your thing, babe. Okay. They get to the airport. Angela gets on the... I think Angela's already on the plane, right? She goes to um, Miami first. No, they oh, both wait. go on the plane together, but okay. she uses a bathroom. Yeah, she uses a bathroom, and here comes Connie, and she's like, I am so sorry, and, you know, she's pretty much groveling at his feet, but he, she basically told him that, you know, if I ever... If I ever found out that somebody was, if 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 I ever found that you were cheating on me with her, or you know, I was gonna shoot you, and I, I was gonna, you know, I was gonna mow you down, and without even a second thought. But she's like, "But I'm so sorry, you know, I'll be a good wife." And and then she calls the hotel, and she says, "Hey, I want the honeymoon suite." And, and she's all she knows, happy at this time. And she's very happy. She's very like, I want it. And she's like, "You mean there's already a honeymoon suite? They're already booked there." They're already booked there, and so she gets a ticket. She's very upset. Yeah, she's pissed. Yeah, she's very upset, and she gets on the plane, and she she takes another, I'm guessing she takes another plane than Angela and Joey. Because she has to take a later plane. I should say that I think I got something technically wrong. Yeah. I said that Tony and Angela got on the plane together. Yeah. I believe now, rethinking it, they got on the same plane, but she got on before he did. That's right, because she went to the bathroom, and then he sat next to her. Right. Yeah. Anyways, continue. Um, or do we want to give the whole thing away, or do we want to? We we, we we want people to watch it. I don't think we should give everything away, but it does come to a head in, in Miami. What are your thoughts on the movie? Because this was the first time you saw it last night. It, well, first off, I thought, wow, this is so 80s. Yes, it is very 80s. <laughs> I mean... Uh, so the, I, I probably haven't seen the movie since the late 90s. Yeah. And so I wasn't really thinking... So 80s. This is so 80s, because it was a lot closer then than it is now. And the music was so 80s and, you know, just, just everything about it was so 80s, it seemed. Um, I thought they all did a good job. Even the mobs, the mobsters. Um, and you said that uh, Dean Stockwell was in, when, was in several movies besides this one. I think you mentioned one of them in the, in the last episode. He was. The thing I know him for best is that he played... The assistant on the TV show Quantum Leap. Right, and I did not see Quantum Leap. I know you mentioned that. Is there anything else that he was in that you remember? He's been in a lot of different things, but though these are the two roles I know him best for: is Quantum Leap and Tony from right. Married to the Mob. <clears throat> yeah, but he was very good. Got an Oscar nomination for this one. Yep. Wow. Against Kevin Klein for A Fish Called Wanda. Wow. Who won? Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I think Kevin Klein was better. But Dean Stockwell is really good in this movie. Yes. But anyway, um, everything comes to head in Miami. Go watch the movie. I think you'll like it. I like the thing with his balls. (laughs) 
where Connie points the gun at it, he covers him, and then the FBI comes uh, in. Oh, yeah. But then he dreams about it. Right. I thought that was right. Funny. <laughs> yeah, because he's in the he's in the stall. <laughs> but I'm glad you like the movie. Mercedes Rule did a really good job as a crazy lady. She was really crazy. You Come don't on. see her in a lot of things. I can only really think about this in Frasier. I know that she's uh, probably done other movies. I think she may have. I mean, I've heard Mercedes Rule's name um, a lot, but I don't know what else she's in. Mm. She was she was particularly funny in Frasier. Yes, I thought she was great in this movie. Yes, she was. She she was the um, very very um, funny and crazy mob wife. Yes. <laughs> yes. What else did I show you, babes? Oh my goodness, um, we watched His Girl Friday, and I have to say this was probably like the funniest movie we watched last night. That was really funny. Very very funny. I only saw this movie about a month ago. It's one of those films I've heard about for ages. But it just never gotten around to watching. Mm -hmm. I thought it was great. Immediately after I watched it, I thought to myself, we got to watch this together. Mm -hmm. Well, I was really surprised at how clear it was because I guess they they probably remastered it. I'll tell you this. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Their version isn't isn't as good as the one that I showed you. The one that you downloaded? Yeah. yeah. What What was different about that other one? There were some sound issues in their version. Really? Yeah. But it was pretty much the whole movie, right? It was the whole movie, but you heard this weird, like, cut out every 12 seconds where there'd just be this moment of silence. No, the sound was really good. Yeah. What you downloaded. You want to talk about the... I so, downloaded it legally. Okay, you yes. did. Download it legally. That's what I'm um, saying here. Yes. Because it could be true. Well, I would hope it's true. I would hope so too, babe. Okay, so uh, Rosalind Russell, it stars Rosalind Russell and Cary Grant, and they were so good in this movie. Cary Grant plays her hus- her ex-husband, Charles Burns. No, Walter Burns, excuse me. Why did I say Charles? I don't know. That's all right, though. Walter Burns. Walter Burns, and he's in charge of this newspaper. Not only is he um, in charge of the newspaper, but he's also he was also her boss. So that's kind of a weird um, dynamic between them. And so um, you see her with um, with her fiancé, Bruce, Bruce Baldwin. Is that right? Yes. You see, and I forgot who plays him. He's really good. I don't know the actor's name. So he, you see you see her with Bruce Baldwin, and he's like, well, I, no, I, don't, I don't think I can be away from you for 10 minutes. And they just got engaged. So And they're supposed to be married the next day. So she goes upstairs to um, Walter Burns' office, and he's trying to do some fast talking of his own and she's already a fast talker and she's like blah, 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 blah. and she's like would you just listen to what I have to say and she's like I am not going to work for the paper anymore and I'll tell you why because I'm engaged she she shows him she shows him the engagement ring and uh she says yes and we're uh, we're getting married uh, I think she tells him that they're getting married tomorrow later on right no she tells him that yeah she's like oh we're getting married tomorrow and and so she's planning to leave the newspaper for good. And so um, he, <laughs> what was really funny is like, I want to meet this Bruce guy. Uh, why don't we, why don't we go downstairs and meet him? She's like, she's like, oh no, no, Walter, I don't think so. Well, he insists, and she follow, he follows her, and mistakens a really, really old guy for Bruce, <laughs> which he obviously did on purpose. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, Bruce, it's very nice to meet you. No, 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 no. Uh, my name isn't Bruce. I forgot what his name was, but he's really, really old. <laughs> And um, 
you can take it away, my dear. Okay. Take it away. I don't want to give everything about this movie no, away. No, don't, don't. <laughs> but, so I'm, I'm going to speak more in broad strokes with this one. Mm-hmm. They go to a restaurant to have lunch. <laughs> Burn surprises everybody by saying, oh, I'm going to get you guys lunch. And through the course of the meal, mm-hmm. it comes out that a man is on death row and is going to be executed the next morning. There's nobody good to write this story at the newspaper. There actually might be, but Burns is trying to keep that fact away from them because he wants, you know, his ex-wife to come back and write the story. Mm-hmm. He puts this guilt trip on them, gets the both of them to kind of agree to that, and says that because... What's the fiance's name again? Bruce. Bruce is a insurance salesman that while Hildy is doing the story, Bruce should get him on a plan. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love the smell of a tea tree oil you're putting on, babe. Thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. So a bunch of different stuff happens. And again, I'm, I'm only being a little bit vague because I want you to actually go and see this one. Yes. Not that we don't want you to see Mary to the Mob, but this one is... Is next level good? It, it is, and it, this, and keep in mind that this is happening in one day. Because, um, because Bruce and Hildy are supposed to get married the next day. Yes, <laughs> it's just so funny. Um, so I'm trying to think about what I should uh, say and what I shouldn't. What I will say is that the convict escapes from prison. Hildy finds him, hides the convict. Burns comes to where Hildy is. They both agree that this guy should uh, be shown by the paper. Like, the paper needs to break that story. Some stuff happens, and by the end of the movie, she's still with Burns. Mm -hmm. Now, I know I gave a very simplistic overview of most of the film, so please fill in anything that you think is necessary, babe. Um, There's something that happens with money. That is a big part of the plot. Oh, I love that. Yeah, but I can't tell you anymore. Because, you want me to say any more now? Um, I want people Yo, to watch yeah, yeah. it. But yeah. but there is a big thing in the plot about money, and that's where everything comes to a head. I love that Bruce is a nice guy. He's very nice, yes. <laughs> and without giving away the ending, things don't turn out too well for Bruce. And Burns is like, he's very good at what he does. But you can tell that he's a, a horrible human being, and he gets the girl at the end. He's so manipulative. Yeah. And he's he literally, I mean, they, they're, him and her are very fast talkers. And I, I was a mad, I was thinking to myself, wow, they talk so fast in this movie. So you have to kind of keep up with it. You notice that? I did notice it's that. It's like, oh, it's like, whoa, 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 slow down. <laughs> but I also speak pretty fast, too, so it wasn't that big of a deal for me. Sometimes I do that too, but um, I uh, I I try to speak slowly as as slow as I can, just because I want to understand. I want people to understand what I'm saying, and also um, someone told me that I had a sing song voice, and I guess I did some research on how to have one of those voices, and that um, in order for you to maintain a sing song voice, is that you talk slower. Interesting. That's what I. That's what I heard. I, I mean, I saw a video on YouTube. 
because um, you want your voice to song to sound as if you are uh, singing a song, I guess. Okay. Yes. Apparently, that's a good quality. But anyway, no, we, watch those two movies. We've watched some older films yes. this summer. Yes. Yes. What did you think about older older movies before June versus what you think of them now? I always had an interest I always had an interest in watching more older movies, but never had the opportunity. Like I really want to watch there's some movies that I want to watch um especially Gone with the Wind, but I also want to watch um Fiddler on the Roof because it has great music, it's a great story. It's, I know it's a musical, but it, but it's a great, it, it has a good story with it. And, um, I, I was always interested in watching old movies. You but know, you never really did it before that. No, I haven't. No. Mm-mm. I am so glad I got to share this film with you. Yeah. I, I like knew it. you would like it. I really did. Yes. It was really funny. Good storyline. Um, it was just kind of interesting how they, how the, the newspaper, um, operated in the forties, just how how they um, how they put that together. I don't know. It was great, and Cary Grant is such a good actor in in the films that we saw. My initial plan was to show you His Girl Friday first, mm-hmm. and then Mary to the Mob, mm-hmm. and you insisted on reversing the order. And in retrospect, I think you are right. Mm, really? Yes, because. And we've kind of touched on this already. Married to the Mob, I think, is really good. But His Girl Friday is next level. Right. And I think if I would have shown you His Girl Friday first, you might have liked Married to the Mob less. Ah, interesting. Okay. I think what I was thinking about is I wanted to see Married to the Mob because I wasn't sure, you know, how heavy it was going to be. Um, and also, too, it was it, it was closer to our time than it would have been for His Girl Friday. Because that's like, that was around before we were even born. It was around before my parents were conceived. You're right, and my, before mine. My grandfather mm-hmm. was four years old when His Girl Friday was released. Wow. 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 Um, yeah, my parents weren't even born yet. My parents were born in the 50s. So, that was way before them. Yes, so I just thought, you know, new, you know, um, the the newest in the in the two movies, or not newest, but the most modern in the two movies, and then the older movie, because I wanted, I, I, I would, I was thinking to myself that maybe his girl Friday would be really funny. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, and we touched on this too, but the modern film felt dated. Yes, it did. And yes, it certainly did. The movie from the forties—you could tell it was a different time, but it still felt fresh. Yeah, it still held up. It really yeah. did. Yeah. So I, I decided. You know what? I think we should watch the, um, the eighties one first, and then the forties, and see how that comes together. But watch yeah. both films. Yes, There's watch st- them both. Married to the Mob is still a good watch. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes, you will. Yes. What about His Girl Saturday and His Girl Sunday? I don't know, babes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. We've watched a fair amount of Cary Grant movies now. Oh, yeah. 
I, I heard a lot about Cary yeah. Grant. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, I was just going to say in. before the pa- pandemic, I had never seen any of his movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big film buff. Yes, you are. I was really surprised because I've heard so much about Cary Grant and how great an actor he was. And I only knew a little bit about Jimmy Stewart because of It's a Wonderful Life. And, you know, he also did some commercials. Um, but I knew that he was a prolific actor, but didn't see all of his movies. I wonder if they got along or not. I don't know. I guess we'll never know. They're both dead. That's true. <laughs> now I and and I and I, I remember when I posed this question last week when we watched Nine to Five and the, the women in the story with Lily Tomlin. Um, Dolly Parton and Jane Fonda and Dabney Coleman. I wonder if they were just getting along for the movie and then afterwards they just went their separate ways and never talked to each other again. Yeah. But some people don't. Some people stay in contact with each other and like, oh yeah, we we meet on occasion or we talk on the phone on occasion or we email, you know, because some people, like after I've seen a show and I've seen interviews of the show, some people are still friends to this day, you know, and I think it's kind of interesting. I can imagine that. I know that there's been people who I've collaborated with who I never want to talk to again. <laughs> and there's others to where, oh, there's some of my closest friends. I talk to them, literally some of them, almost every single week. Uh-huh. You know. Yes. So imagine it's similar when you get up into that stratosphere of stardom. Yeah. 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 Yeah, babies. That's white. That's white, babies. Oh, yay. Yeah, babies. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Are you excited about tonight? I certainly am. I am. Well, not only are we going to cook some really, really good stuff. In fact, one of them is uh, is in the oven. One of the things that we're working on is in the oven. It's right technically now. not heating up because it's sourdough. It is rising right. as we speak. It is rising into a beautiful blob. And it's been rising <laughs> since last night. And it smells really good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, something we are making that has rosemary and some salt and some basil and garlic garlic and more rosemary, and it's going to be good. And we're also making um, baked potatoes. And baked potatoes are super easy to make, but we're doing it because we don't want it to get in the way of our movie night. Yes. We're going to watch an O.J. Simpson classic. Oh, yeah. And a Leslie Nielsen classic. Yes. Naked Gun Two and a Half. Yes, because we saw the first. I don't even know why I didn't see the first one. I guess maybe it's because I was too young to see it. I don't know because this was like in nineteen eighty eighty six or eighty seven somewhere around like there. That. I don't know why I didn't see it, but I heard really good things about the Naked Gun movies. I don't think we ever talked about your opinion of it here, the original one. I thought it was great. I think I did say about. I think I did. I think I did talk about it. I thought I saw it, but I I did not see it. But I've been hearing some really, really good things about Leslie Nielsen in the movie, and when he was, uh, you know, the, all the funny, all the funny adventures that he went on, and uh, yeah, I thought it was great. I would tell you that as a kid, the first Naked Gun film was one of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. as far as comedies went. So funny, yes, so funny. Well, Airplane was really good too. I like Airplane a lot, but. I think Naked Gun is way better. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes, Naked Gun. Naked Gun, okay. So now we're going to see Naked Gun two and a half. And 
Don't forget. We're watching a classic that we have both already seen. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. And I haven't seen that movie like since I was 14. So that was a really long time ago. I watched it a few years ago. I think it was the summer before we met in 2017. Uh-huh. It was on Hulu at the time. Uh-huh. And it it was really funny. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <laughs> I don't think you could get away with making it today. Yeah. But I laughed very, very, very hard again. <laughs> I think the last time I watched it literally was like Christmas Day, 1994, um, when um, my relatives came over and it was on. It was it was on. So that's great. It I, was a great movie. I remember when it first came out. I had no interest in seeing it, and in June of '94, we're talking. I got out of school on what was it, the 14th, mm. and I want to say like this. It was either like that following Monday or later on that week. My mom said, oh, Ace Ventura is playing at the Dollar Theater. Do you want to go and see it tonight at 6? Or was it 6.30? I think it was 6. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I like to get into my new show like that. Yeah. And I said <laughs> yes at the time, but I was thinking, oh, maybe I should tell my mom I don't want to go. And, you know, and my sister wanted to get it to go. So the three of us went to see it, and we did not stop laughing. <laughs> I thought it was great. Yes. So that same that same year, that was the same year that The Lion King came out, and I saw it. Um, I saw it like the day after it came out. My friend and I went to see it. My mom dropped us off, and my friend went and I went to see it. And from that point on, I I absolutely um, thought that that movie was one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I like going into movies thinking that I'm going to have a bad experience, mm-hmm. and then you're just like blown away. Yeah. I saw the line, so I know the Lion King is not like Ace Ventura Pet Detective, but I saw I I saw the Lion King with my friend, and then I saw the Lion King with my family. And we all liked it, and and I just thought, what I really love is taking somebody to see a movie that I know that I liked, but I also know that they're gonna like, That's and great. it's just like, oh wow, I I really like that movie, you know, and it, and it just makes me feel so good because I shared something with somebody. But have you ever had the experience to where you go to either a theater or you rent a film because somebody else is with you and you think it's going to be a horrible experience and then the film is just amazing? Hmm. You know, that is a really good question. Um, I think, yeah, I think was I think somebody rented a movie that I saw and it was called um, Jack Jack Reacher. I believe Tom Cruise was in it. Have you ever seen that one? No, I know that it's based on a series of books, and people keep telling me that I need to read them. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't my favorite movie, but I thought it was good. I thought it was really interesting. Tom Cruise, I think, is very underrated. He's made a lot of movies that I enjoy. I think he's a nut in real life. Oh, but of course. He's insane. He is insane. So is Alec Baldwin. According, but, to, according to both of us. But I, I think that even from even though there are actors that are completely insane, they do produce great movies um so i know since we're on we're on kind of like a a tom cruise uh tangent here do your thing i did not like the movie vanilla sky i disagree with you on that but that's okay i did not like it i did not i thought it was very disturbing very confusing and also kind of disturbing at the same time i only saw it once and i believe i rented it from blockbuster video when it was still around yes in like 2002. So that gives you an idea of how long ago this was. Yeah. I remember thinking this was a really, really innovative film, though. 
Mm-hmm. But I haven't revisited it. I did not like it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm not going to say that he was a bad actor in the movie. I just didn't like the plot. I liked it, but he takes risk. He, he doesn't just do Mission Impossible movies. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what you think of Vanilla Sky, somebody in his stratosphere doesn't have to do a movie like that. That is true. Um, you know, he did, uh, what else did he do? He was in Jerry Maguire. That was okay. Um, I, it was a good movie, but that, that was all right. Yeah, and that really wasn't a risk for him, but it wasn't a risk he also did Interview with a Vampire. Right. I would imagine that was probably one of his riskier uh, movies. He was so good in that movie. Ah. You've seen it, right? I told you I didn't. Yo. Remember I wasn't, in, remember I told you I wasn't that interested in seeing it? That's right. We got to watch that sometime, babe. It's really, really good. Was he interviewing a vampire? <laughs> no. <laughs> Christian Slater is interviewing Brad Pitt's character. And Brad Pitt is kind of telling the story of his life. Okay. And Tom Cruise happens to be in a story. Yes. And and also uh, young Kirsten Dunst. Mm-hmm. Kirsten. Which was kind of, when I heard about it, I thought it was a little bit disturbing. Because I remember when she was in an interview and she said that she had to kiss Brad Pitt. And she really didn't like it. And she was only like 12. Yeah. And she's like, I really didn't like doing that. The movie's good. I don't know if it holds up. I haven't seen it in like 20 years. Mm -hmm. But I've seen it maybe five times Mm. and really, really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's on HBO Max right now. I see. Yes, yes, be able to. I see. And you still haven't seen The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, have you? No, I haven't. That's a good one. That is a really good Brad Pitt movie. If we ever do a Brad Pitt weekends, Mm -hmm. we could do Interview with a Vampire. Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Fight Club, because you still haven't seen that, mm-hmm. and that's an amazing movie. I'm trying to think, what else could we do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We could come up with something else. I'm not saying we need to do a Brad Pitt weekend, but yeah. it could be fun. Well, I don't know. Yes, baby boy. Yes. I know that... You know, I know that the both of us think that um, Angelina, Angelina Jolie is really nuts, but she did do some interesting movies. I, you know what? I don't think I've seen a lot of her films. Um, so she did a Disney movie called Maleficent, but it was like a, um, it was an action movie. Okay. And I thought it was good. It was, an, it was a live action movie, and I thought it was really good. And then, uh, the, well, there was some, there was more disturbing movies like um, Girl Interrupted, with um, um, her and Winona Ryder. That was really weird. I don't know if you want to see that one. It's about these girls that are in a mental institution. I've heard about it. I haven't watched it, though. Yeah, it was it was kind of disturbing. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. I didn't see a lot of her stuff. Oh, babe, I got it. What? Sorry to interrupt you. Okay. That's Neither funny. one of us has seen Once Upon a Time in America. What is that? That's a Quentin Tarantino film that came out last year. Uh-huh. It has Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh-huh. I've heard really good things about it. Really? I don't know. That's just an option if we if we decide to do a Brad Pitt weekend. Okay. Yeah, sorry I interrupted you when you were talking about Jolie. Jolie. Well, there's Jolie, nothing really... Jolie, Jolie. <laughs> I think that was Jolene, my dear. Yeah, this is what I do to you, babe. I give you incorrect lyrics to music. Well, at least so so I will I will say I think it's really funny when you do it because at least you know that you're doing it. There are people that do it and they really don't know they're doing it and yeah. it drives me crazy. And not only do they not know the lyrics but they also don't know the melody or the tune. 
Oh, it drives me crazy. <laughs> it drives me crazy. I can see that. I told my sister that um, I, I told about someone that we both know who will not be mentioned and that um, they they whistle tunes and melodies, but they get they get it wrong every time and they get the lyrics wrong oh. every time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this person will not be named. So, yeah, yeah. I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> Alana. Yes. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss? No. No, I think we're good. I think this is a, a fun one. This is a fun episode. I'm really excited about what we are going to cook tonight because I I I'm so glad. I am feeling so good that I am ready to to uh, dive into the food. <laughs> Yeah. Because you didn't have a lot of experiences cooking growing up. No, unfortunately, no, not in, not when I was growing up, but I kind of I had to make up for it uh in my early 20s. And I'm just now and the, I'm thankful that I got exposed to that in my early 20s before I um started living on my own and going to college and other things. Um because now I have something to fall back on and I'm just kind of getting um, slowly getting into it. Now, I will I will say one more thing about the pasta thing that I, w- I tried making this week. Yeah. Everything pr- went pretty well for the most part, except it was, um, the sauce was too salty and the sauce was too spicy. So I, I do want to get to that, but if I could provide a little bit of context yes. without airing all your business out in the street. Yeah. You got into cooking in your early 20s, but since then you've had a lot of sided roommates or landlords uh-huh. and you felt a little bit trepidatious about cooking right. and now that you're living on your own you can get back into it yes yeah and i and i and i think i should um should uh say that it's it's kind of hard if you're in a place with four or five other people i didn't want anyone to freak out and and try to watch me as i'm doing what I'm doing. And sighted people will often do that. They do that. Yeah. Because they really don't understand. Some of them don't have not worked with blind people and they just are so scared out of their minds that they just can't even imagine doing that. But now that I've been on my own, um, I've done a, a few, a little bit of cooking here and there. Anyway, so the, the pasta sauce that I was making for my pasta, mm-hmm. which was rigatoni, the, the sauce was too spicy and the sauce was too salty. And I think I know why that is. Because I think I put too much um, salt and uh, black pepper in it, which was not good. But now I know what to do. Have we talked... What not he- to do. Have we talked here about the mistakes that I've made with pasta? Uh, no, we haven't. I don't okay. think so. So, your mistake is nothing compared to mine. Granted, I was a lot younger, but I've also lived on my own since... I mean, I started living... I moved out of my parents' place when I was relatively young. But when I say lived on my own, I mean without roommates. Yeah. I've lived on my own since I was like 24. Just about the same time I did. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I, w- before then I had a period of time where I had no roommates. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, in that sense, I've been lucky because I've I had a lot more time to cook. But when I was learning how to make pasta, mm-hmm. and I know I've told you this. My mom told me that you only had to cook your spaghetti noodles for three minutes and they would be done. That is so, that is so wrong. So literally for years, babe, I kept thinking to myself, why are these noodles so bad? 
I, and I just thought it was me. I cannot t- cook pasta. Right. One night I'm over at somebody's house. Really, really intelligent person who I'm no longer in contact with. But he's a great person. That's unfortunately. That's yeah, unfortunate. I mean, it's nothing. Be- there's no beef or anything. Right. We just aren't, aren't in contact. We right. run in different circles. Right. Uh-huh. Really nice guy. He probably doesn't want his name mentioned. But yeah. we were cooking for us and I think a couple other people. And I put in the pasta and he's like, okay, we'll take it off in 11 minutes. And I said, 11 minutes? And he's like, yep. And I was like, no sooner? And he's like, no, no sooner, 11 minutes. Okay, it's your place, dude. And it would turn out right. Mm-hmm. So all that is to say, you got it a little bit salty and spicy. But I went through years of just making these horrible, horrible noodles. Yeah. Before I knew the, the proper cooking. Wow, I mean, because... That's what my mom told me, though, growing up. I, I, like, I know. My yeah, mom was a really interesting bad, cook, though. That, that's, that's, cook. that's terrible. Yeah, I'm so sorry about that. Um, yeah. My, I was very thankful and blessed to have a lot of good cooks in my in my uh, family, my my dad, my uncles, my aunt, my mom, my grandma. I mean, they are really excellent cooks. So I grew up around a lot of cooks and tasted what they made. And they really know how to, they really know, you know, the right um, temperature for noodles and meat and things. But yeah, 11 minutes was perfect. Yes. Because it really, it, they started to moisten up and... They're not tasted, too soggy though. No, they were just perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that you're getting back on the ball. I am, and I think the key is because I'm I'm getting better acquainted with burners, and um, pretty soon with ovens, and I just have to remember because I I remember when I was learning is that you have to be calm and you have to know your surroundings and you have to just be at the stove if you need to mix things and just keep on mixing and if you have to turn the heat down it's just. It's just a it's just a matter of uh, being calm when you're doing something like that. Yeah, I want to provide a little bit of context for your oven. Yes. The way you know it it's ready and it, it's done preheating is that the light goes off mm-hmm. and you hear it. It's literally like that. Yeah. And that's very easy to miss. Mm-hmm. Miss, and since you're blind, pretty much completely blind, you can't notice the change in light. So until that gets fixed, right, it's very hard for you to cook. In the it oven. it is right now, yeah, and um. Some and there are times where my perception of light is not accurate either, and so I wouldn't be paying attention to the oven. I would be paying attention to the the sound. Yeah. Of it. And, because, that's, and since that's you could not hear that. No, I mean I could hear it if I really, really, really listened, but it it has to be loud enough. Yeah. There has to be some kind of a way to make it ding or something. And you've reported that, but because of COVID. Right, it's kind of hard to get somebody up to my apartment to look at it. Pardon cause... the pun, but it's on the back burner right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. You've been doing that a lot. Sometimes inappropriately. Sometimes I'll just go up and say, hey babe, it's a great morning. You'll be like, Inappropriately? Inappropriately. Inappropriately, babe. Wow. Yes. Well, you know, you've, if you've been together with somebody for a long time or you've been friends with somebody, you kind of pick up their little uh, quirks here. Oh. Yes. I do have many offbeat things about my personality. But that's, that's, what, makes you, uh, that's what makes you unique? Mm-hmm. I'm sure I have some offbeat things, and I, um, you know, I would admit to that. Sometimes I'm a little bit... I'm not, all, I'm, I'm not completely normal, but I think I'm more normal than some. A very, very good friend once said to me, <laughs> everybody is fucked up in their own beautiful way. Right. 
And that's all. And at first, I thought, oh, she's kind of just saying that. But then when I thought about it, I, it really started to make sense to me. Okay. Yes. Well, I, I wouldn't have said it so crassly, but oh. I understand what she means. Oh. Well, she was also talking to the 24-year-old version of me. <laughs> right. So, you know, take that. Well, everybody's weird. Everybody's weird anyway in their own way. Into consideration, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's not everybody. Everybody isn't without quirks and... And little things that make them unique. So, yeah. My, I'm sure that um, people who know me will say, yeah, yeah, she's kind of weird in a good way. You are weird, but I still love you. Mm-hmm. And so am I. Yes. Yes. We, we're living in a world of weird. That is correct. Yeah. Anything else, J-Lo? Uh, no, I think that is that is it for me. All right, babes. Yes. Thank you. Until next time. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, okay. Okay.